Oh, we love the bells. Thank you so much. We want to welcome you to First Baptist Church, Sun City West. Thank you for taking the time and the opportunity to be here. We've had a, a marvelous week. Looks like going to be a great day today, especially as we try to move any concern we might have our Lord Jesus Christ today. And I hope and pray that, that you will be able to do that. Through our music and through our testimonies, through some videos and prayers and the message from His Word, I hope that we can help you to do that and learn more and more about what God desires for you. So if this is the very first time that you've been here, we'd love for you to take the guest card that's in the pew in front of you and fill it out. And when you get ready to leave at the end of the service, just drop it in the offering box as you leave. We would certainly appreciate that. Join me in prayer, and then we're going to sing. Father, thank you for the time and the opportunity that you've given us to come and worship. We have already been inspired both by the organ and the handbells. Father, music that just warms our heart allows us to connect with you in a very deep way. And Father, I pray through the power that you have given each one of us through your spirit that we would not only listen, but Father, this week we would be challenged to use that power with compassionate love and care in touching the lives of people. You give us that understanding of who they are and Father, very good consciousness as they walk by. And today, I pray you will prepare us for those encounters. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Let's stand together as we sing.
church family and what a joy it is to be here in this house of the Lord will you join me in prayer oh father God we thank you father for this privilege of being in this place to worship you we love you Lord you have blessed us you've blessed our church you've blessed our nation oh God we pray that you would be with each person in this room and oh Lord, if there's just one that doesn't know you, I pray that this is the day that they decide, oh God. I pray that you would be with our pastor as he preaches his message, your message. And Lord God, watch over everyone here. Mm -hmm. This family means so much to me. It's, it's, this is my big, large, large extended family. I love each person here. They have blessed me in many, many, many ways. And as we go out worshiping you the rest of this day, please watch over us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I get the question of why move back to Puerto Rico. In the last 10 years, Puerto Rico has experienced financial crisis, political crisis, crises with hurricanes and earthquakes. And on top of all of that, you've got the COVID-19 pandemic. And so they're like, why would you go the opposite way? Everyone's trying to leave. I think there's a lot of opportunity here in Puerto Rico in terms of ministry. A lot of the folks that we minister to just live alone because families have moved onto the mainland and people tend to leave behind some of their most vulnerable family members. It takes their support system away from them. And so one who I later met as Rosa sent me a text that said, I live alone. I don't have any food left. Please just help me. So I asked, can I call you? and realized that she lived near one of our local pastors. And so he and his wife came here and went to see Rosa and really ministered to her and invited her to church. She agreed and, um, and listened intently to the message and, and then after the service accepted Christ. This is something that God is doing and I get to join him in because of what Christ has done on our behalf. And in gratitude, we respond by serving others. And so that's the importance of giving because that enables us to continue to meet these needs and ensure that the gospel is proclaimed and preached and that churches are planted and that missionaries are sent. Puerto Ricans, they've been through a lot and yet we're gonna do what we need to do to overcome this and we're gonna overcome this together. You'll notice on the inside of your bulletin that to date, $6,607 has been received toward the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. You'll also notice our goal of 13,412. So if you've not taken opportunity to give or if you would like to give again, there are envelopes in the pew racks in front of you. 
and all of those dollars will go to help others share the good news. Open my eyes that I may see.
Good morning. Scripture readings for today, 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11, and 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 6. You follow the reading either in your pew Bible or on the screen. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do as one who speaks the very words of God. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word, for this is indeed the word of the Lord.
That was tremendous, wasn't it? What a great song. Choir, super job. This month we have taken our opportunity and our time to focus upon knowing that we are God's people. We're God's people because he's called us to be his people. We're God's people who have a particular purpose and he's gifted us for those purposes. If God has called us to be engaged in ministry as his people and he's gifted us, we shouldn't take that lightly, should we? And so what is the purpose? It's because we're on mission. We're on his mission. And for so many of us, we have to reanalyze the things that we do or have done over the years. Because most of our lives, we've spent on what's going to be the very best for me as I go step by step. But now, we have to come to an understanding that what is it that God wants me to do for his kingdom purposes? Because when it's all said and done and uh, we breathe our last breath, the things that we do for the kingdom, the things that are of eternal value, are the things that are going to matter the most for us. Last week, we talked a little bit about... Uh, the general ministry that God has called us to. General ministry are those things that God has called all of us to. We've talked about the Great Commission. We uh, talked about uh, the, the, uh, the Great Commandment. Uh, as you go through the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, there are many things that he speaks directly to us. And that's general ministry, things that all of us are to be engaged in. And I think I summarized it in three areas, the family life, daily life, and in the political arena. This morning I want to talk about the focused ministry. Now that still is all of ours, but it's more particular to each one of us. I term it a little bit like a, uh, a video I saw on the uh, Andromeda Galaxy. Uh, it's very informative. If you look at the stars in the sky and uh, uh, sometimes if you get away from the city lights in Phoenix, you actually see all the stars, very beautiful, and you're just taking a your breath is taken away when you realize the billions upon billions of stars with planets circling them in the sky. In the 900s, there was this bright light that was seen in the sky by a Persian sky watcher. He thought it was a nebula. It wasn't until the 1600s when a telescope was developed that they began to look at that bright light and realize that that was the closest galaxy to our own Milky Way. And as we look today, we find that the Andromeda galaxy, so beautiful and, and so in so many different colors, the swirls, it, it's if you sit and take a look at it through a telescope or through the videos that you see, it takes your breath away. Now, when I'm outside looking at the stars in the sky, I see all of those. That's, that's generally, I see the universe. But when I can zero in and look at the Andromeda galaxy, some 2.5 million light years away, and I'm able to detect more specific things, I am even more awestruck of the Creator God. 
God has given us general ministry for all of us to be engaged in, but more specifically for each one of us, when we take that, let's say, telescope, and we zero in on what God desires us to do, it's going to take our breath away. Because we're going to say, God, you really want me to do that? And he's going to say, yes, because I have gifted you to accomplish that. I don't think that there probably is much greater frustration than to understand, to have identified, and to discover our spiritual gifts and be ready to use them in some way but don't know how to do that don't know which direction or what ministry to go it's just all right here and we just want an avenue a path and venture to walk on to accomplish the very purposes of God that he has given for each one of us in the realm of focused ministry so today I want to take the time that we have and I want to talk about that focus ministry. There are a number of things that I would like to look at. Number one, I'd like for us to talk about the characteristics of a focus ministry. We find that first and foremost, it is a specific ministry. Specific. It's, it's not just go out in the field somewhere. It's, you know, go out in the field and uh, uh, go about 500 feet and take a left and take another 500 feet and there you're going to find this rock that I think is going to be really important for you to look at. That's more specific. In the realm of ministry, it's not, my ministry is just to love people. It's more specific than that. My ministry is to focus on ladies who are single and need encouragement and inspiration. Now that would be specific. My ministry is to teach the Bible to small groups of people. That would be a specific process. My ministry is to discover members who have health needs and to seek ways to pray for them, to be with them, and to encourage them. That's a specific ministry. So we've gone from a broad general ministry to more specific ministry that God has given us spiritual gifts and now we can figure out how to use those gifts in a lot of different ways to minister to the needs of people. I think that is very important, specific. Secondly, it's a significant ministry. When we talk about significance, we're talking about something that has value something that's going to make a difference in the world not something that somebody will soon forget so it must have worth and significance in terms of actual need and God's redemptive purposes it must be significant in terms of time and energy and effect for instance if my ministry was to focus in on single ladies who are somewhat isolated and need encouragement and inspiration, that would be an actual need. And that would also accomplish God's redemptive purpose because it's redeeming them in the realm of fellowship and hope and encouragement. For instance, if uh, my gift was to teach the Bible to a small group of people, that is an actual need because 
we are hungering for the Word of God spiritually. And we want someone who is knowledgeable and walking with God to teach us what God's Word has to say. And it also accomplishes God's redemptive purpose because His Word is eternal and will never be void in this life or the life to come. If my gift is finding members that have medical needs so that I can specifically come and pray with them and sit down and listen to them and talk with them and to encourage them during those difficult trials, then it has accomplished a true, actual need and also God's redemptive purpose because it is investing in a life that is going through a crisis with compassionate care. And that's who the presence of Christ is. And all of these will take time, it'll take energy, and will take effect because it will affect those that you're investing in. So we should not always be the ones that are the recipients of those incredible blessings. We're the ones that are to take on the focus ministry that God has gifted us to accomplish and walk beside those that need that encouragement and help. So it's a specific ministry, it's a, it's a significant ministry, and thirdly, it is a called ministry. God calls believers to both general and very specific or focused ministry. And seeking to discern God's leading is absolutely strategic, vital, and important in each one of our lives. It was Isaiah in Isaiah 49.1 who said that he was, he was called, God called him from his mother's womb. Now, Isaiah had to come to the place after he was born and after he was grown to discern what is it that God, you want me to do? You called me way back then, but what do you want me to do now that I'm breathing and live? God said, I want you to be my prophet. God has called us. He has gifted us. What we need to do is hear what that call is. I was... Uh, I was in my freshman year of, um, of my college, and I, I was going into music slash business slash pre-law because I didn't know what God wanted me to do. I didn't know what I wanted to do. But I knew it was going to be something directed in a very practical but uh, um, affluent way. And so that's where I was heading. And I remember when I was a, a, a senior in high school that uh, one of the girls in our concert choir asked me, said, are you going to be a preacher like your dad? And I said, absolutely not. <laughs> I, I wouldn't deal with what he deals with. That's just a reality. And so God, in his great sense of humor, in my freshman year, in that first semester, began talking to me. And he began nudging me. He was moving me quickly toward this area of ministry that I had said that I just wasn't interested in. And I'll never forget, it was around the late November, early December time frame, and I called my dad and I said, Dad, could you please tell me how you know if God is calling you to preach? And expecting this great, deep answer, a great formula, my dad said, well, son, you'll just know. 
And you're laughing because you're saying, okay, where is that specific ministry that God wants me to do? And I'll say, well, you'll just know. But no, I want to know a formula. <laughs> and on January 2nd, 1977, while I was at home during a January term, I heard God speak to me very clearly on the second row of the church my dad was pastoring. And I came and I committed myself to do what God had called me to do. God calls all of us, it may not be to a vocational ministry, but he calls all of us to do ministry, to be engaged in very, something very specific. So we have to discern what that is, and it's not an easy journey always. We have to work through that. It took me months to really understand. Not everybody's that way. Everybody's different as you're hearing from God. But he's going to speak to you and give you clarity and wisdom when that time comes. It's a specific ministry, a significant ministry. It's a called ministry. And fourth, it's a chosen ministry. Well, what are you saying, preacher? That, that seems to be contradictory. How can it be a called ministry and a chosen ministry at the same time? No, it's pretty simple. You see, it doesn't conflict with the call of God because a focused ministry is chosen because we become aware that God has called us to that particular ministry. And then we have a decision to make because God Almighty has spoken to us, whether it's a vocational ministry or whether it's to, to be engaged in one of these ministries I've already spoken about, and we have to choose to say, yes, God, I'm going to do that, or no, God, I'm not going to do that. So we do choose to accept that call of God. It lays right in our lap. My dad, when he was uh, saved at the age of 14, in a little uh, one-room schoolhouse slash church, the Pytown area, preacher by the name of Reverend Tingle. My dad always remembered, you know, he always wore one black shoe and one brown shoe. <laughs> he, was, he was a circuit riding type of preacher back in those days. <coughs> My dad, when he was called to salvation, he didn't tell me this till later, he said, I was also called to ministry then, and I said no. I said yes to salvation, I said no to ministry. And it was some 13 years later the completely different story that my father accepted the call to ministry. But it was a difficult time. You know, if you do, don't do what God wants you to do, he's gracious. He's forgiving. He's, he loves us unconditionally. But if we're not in line with where he wants us to be, it can be a very difficult time. I don't know, you, you might not have met any. I've met some, some men in my lifetime who were called to preach and did not choose to go that direction and they were some of the most miserable people that you would ever be around. Chosen. On January 2nd, 1977, again on the second pew where my dad was preaching, I knew without a doubt God had called me to preach, but I didn't have to accept that call. I could have st stayed right there and the invitation was over and say, God, I'm focused on business or I'm focused on uh, a law direction, but I'm not going to do what you want me to do because I know, having grown up in that atmosphere, what it's going to be like. I don't want to do that. 
But instead, I sensed what God wanted me to do. I felt his calling, and I said, okay, God, I choose to do this and to follow you. My brother um, went to school to be a music major so that he could be a music minister in a church. And so he started his avenue that direction, and uh, he was giving everything into it. And I'll never forget, I, I can't remember if it was first or second year, they had their juries and all, and then the music department, the leaders bring them in, and every one of the music majors, and they talk to them about, you know, where they are, how they're progressing, and, and my brother went into that meeting, he was all excited, and uh, by the end of that meeting, they had said, you just don't have the ability to do what you're wanting to do. Oh, my brother was crushed. He had to completely rethink everything that he was going to do in life. Well, as it turns out, he and I both believe that that was the right decision. Well, let me tell you what he did. He went into teaching and then into administration in school districts, did an incredible job investing in students over the course of many years. And all during that time, he either on a part-time basis or on a voluntary basis with his wife who was a piano player, went to small churches for the longest time, providing them church music. It filled him. He sensed God's calling to do that while continuing to, to, uh, to be very successful in other adventures that he had done. He chose to do that. It is a specific ministry, a significant ministry, a called ministry, a chosen ministry, and it also is a gifted ministry. You know, our purpose is to lead people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, first and foremost. Secondly, our purpose is to minister to the human brokenness and the lives of people that live in our society and around the world. It's our second purpose. Our third purpose is to build up the body of Christ and to serve the body. It's pretty significant in those three areas of things that we are to do. We're to communicate the gospel as the Great Commission has stated. We're to invest ourselves in human brokenness and love them, which is the Great Commandment. And the scripture tells us he's gifted us to build up the body of Christ and to serve the body. So when we think about focused ministry, these are the characteristics that need to fine-tune and help us to direct us to areas in the lives of people that we can touch and build up and encourage. So it's not necessarily a position out here, although we might classify it that way. It is in the realm of sensing what God wants you to do to touch the members of this body and at large in this community. So let's talk about the areas in which focused ministry can be expressed. First, uh, it is best expressed in the, uh, in the church. I think that's the best place to start using your gift. And the scripture says it's for building up of the body and to serve the body. And so that seems to be the place where God wants you to focus that gift. Every gift that God has placed, placed in the body of Christ, that is the church, is important. There are some people that think, well, the preaching of the gospel or the teaching of, of the Bible or prophesying, those are the biggies. And things like hospitality or service, they're down here somewhere. And that is totally incorrect. 
There might be spotlight ministries out there, but what God has called you to do is the most important thing. He has gifted every single one of us. He has placed us in the body for us to accomplish our work. <laughs> the Bible says that God has given these gifts to build up his church. And so none of the gifts that have been given should be taken lightly or should be viewed lightly. We're all equal in that direction. Part of it is because God is the one who gave the gifts. You didn't go out and conjure up your skills or your experience to have that gift. The Bible says that God is the one who gave them to you. Is that correct? If he gave them to you, then he wanted you to have that, and that is most important. So you don't need to look at anybody else and say, wow, look what they're doing, and I'm only doing No, you look at yourself and say, see what I'm doing. I'm fulfilling what God wanted me to do. And then invest in people. <laughs> I look around, and <clears throat> there are some really fancy trucks and cars out on the road. I don't know, you might have one. So don't take this wrong. But I mean, they're flashy. They have the best paint jobs. You go inside of them, and they've got leather, and uh, they've got all of this dashboard stuff, lights everywhere. You can say something, and man, I tell you, all the matter, it, it happens. <laughs> they go from zero to 60 in about 2.5 seconds. <laughs> it's powerful. You look at that and say, wow. Man, I'd love to have that $100,000 vehicle. <laughs> but I tell you what, if the driving chain or the driving belt that you never see breaks, guess where that vehicle's going? Nowhere. As pretty as it is, as powerful as it is. Some people would understand you know what? It takes all of us. It takes all the parts to make it work. And that's the way it is in the kingdom of God. So it doesn't matter what your giftedness is. You just need to be faithful in it. Start by working within the church. Listen, if you have the gift of mercy, it might be that, that hospital visitation or maybe in a medical ministry may be the very right place for you. If you have the gift of hospitality or the gift of greeting new people, it might be that, uh, that you are a perfect one to be a, a greeter or somebody setting up for events that take place that are so important. If you have the gift of exhortation, that can make you an amazing addition to our prayer ministry. The list can go on and on. Now, within the body, you figure out where your giftedness is. There are so many different avenues that you can go down to fulfill the calling that God has given you and fulfill the desire that you have. No longer frustrated, but that you're engaging. You don't have to be involved in everything. Find that one or two things of passion and giftedness and service and engage in them with the focus of expressing what God has given you. Secondly, we should do everything we can to express those gifts through the community. I want you to know that in our community of Sun City West and the region, 
We have so many senior adults in our, in our region. Uh, most, of, most of these people, most of us, let me say that, come from other places. Uh, how many of you, just raise your hand, how many of you are from somewhere else? Just raise your hand. Okay. All right. So go the other direction. How many of you have been in Phoenix for a really, 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 really long time? Okay. Yeah, there are a few of you out there. Yeah. Hold on to your heritage. <laughs> we're, we're from all over the place. Therefore, we bring all kinds of needs. We, we bring different ideas, different thoughts to the table. But let me tell you, when so many people come from other places, they come many times with no family. There are numbers of people who are just lonely. It doesn't mean that, that they're here by themselves. They might be a married couple, but you can still be lonely when you move here and you don't know anybody. Well, there are a lot of lonely, isolated people, people that have compromised health systems, people who are grieving because of the loss of a spouse or the loss of leaving people, friends that they know or place that they grew up in. You have people that are afraid. You have people that economically are just not making it. The list goes on and on. In our community, there are so many avenues of needs that we can invest in and touch through the giftedness that God has given us. God has gifted and equipped us to be a friend, to be an encourager, to be a person of wisdom, to be a person who can sit down and listen. We should seek those who have needs. We should embrace them and invest our lives in them, all in the name of Jesus Christ. Again, actual needs and Christ's redemptive purpose. We need to do that same thing in our society as a whole. Our society is really messed up right now. There's a lot of chaos going on. There's a lot of crime. There's just so many different things. And lost in the things that come across the headlines are things that are underneath the surface that actually have always been there and still need help. In our society, we are people that have, should have a compassionate ministry and giftedness to assist those who are blind, those who are deaf, those who are exceptional, whether they be children or adults, those who are poor, those who are oppressed or depressed, those who are alienated, those who are addicted, and we should minister to them in the name of Jesus. We were never meant to be this isolated island here in the midst of a wonderful retirement community to say, ah, we're just here as a group. God still has a purpose for us. And it's, it's a purpose to reach out and invest in those who are deeply, deeply in need. And then last, around the world, there are those same types of needs in the world in which we live they need the touch of God, and they need the presence of Christ in their lives, and that's who we are. We represent. We're the presence of Christ in them as we're living godly lives and investing with compassionate care in their lives. And so we must be willing to pray. We must be willing to give. We must be willing to go. We must be willing to just do what God tells us to do as we fine-tune our focused ministry, as we've characterized it, 
touching the lives of people all in the name of Jesus. So we're meeting an actual need, and at the same time, we are communicating the love of Christ to them. And so we all have a personal mission we need to be on. We go off on a mission trip somewhere, which I think is a great thing to do, or we take on our mission responsibilities right in the region that God has given us. We support the North American Mission Board. We support our International Mission Board financially and through prayer. We can even go with them on short-term missions. But just to be here and around the world, the presence of Christ. So what is the motivating factor to express this ministry? As we kind of fine-tune as we've given some examples of how you can be engaged and involved, we've given you the spiritual gifts inventory we've given you the passion survey and they're still available out in the four years if you haven't gotten them we wanted you to fill them out so it would help you to understand some avenues or paths for you to be able to allow god to use you no matter what age you are no matter what health concerns you might have but to use you right where you are as a place a person of significance But what motivates us? What, what is the push? I'm going to talk more about that next week, but I just briefly want to talk about what is going to make you, encourage you, help you to actually do these ministries. First and foremost, it is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There's no reason for you to go out and do all these things if you don't have Christ in your life. You're a good humanitarian. And that's needed. But let me tell you what, what motivates you from now until eternity is that Christ is inside of you and he lives inside of you. You know, our God is both creator and father who loves his creation. Even though it's marred and even though it's broken, he loves it. His eternal purpose, his eternal purpose is to redeem and bring healing to the brokenness. That's what he wants, because we're all broken. We just happen to have found that Jesus is the one that can heal us. There are a lot more broken people out there that need someone to share the gospel. And even though we have Christ in our life, there are still areas of brokenness in our lives. That's why we have others that come alongside of us and help us, and we help them. His method and his plan for accomplishing this purpose was announced when he called Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. He said, the scripture says, that the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation. That's the call that he gave. He said, go. He didn't say stay. And I'll be for all frank with you, uh, Abraham was not 30 at this time. <laughs> but he said, I have, I, have, I have something for you. I'm calling you. And that great nation, over the course of time, became a nation that God said, okay, I want you to be my unique people. I want you to be a kingdom of priests. And we read through that, uh, I think, on the first Sunday of, of March. Exodus 19, verse 5, he says, Now, if you obey me and fully keep my commandment and my covenant, 
then out of all the nations you will be my treasured people. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And later in that passage, when Moses communicated that to the people, they said, okay. They said in verse 8, we will do everything the Lord has said. They accepted God's call. They chose to follow God, to be that kingdom of priests. And then we find that over time, instead of fulfilling God's mission, they became a religious people. God didn't call a religious people. God called a priesthood, a kingdom of priests. People that would engage and meet the needs of people. Not just follow traditions and rituals with little or no meaning. And so then God called a new people. The same mission of the redemption of the world. In fact, in Matthew chapter 21, verse 43, Jesus said to the religious leaders of the day, Therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce fruit. This kind of sends chills down your spine. Every person, whether Jew or Gentile, who has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ now has been called and gifted to minister. So this new people of the Jews and the Gentiles who have accepted Christ, they now have been called to this ministry. So it takes a personal relationship with Christ and secondly, a personal commitment to Christ. Our commitment to Christ must include unconditional love, compassionate care, and intentional investment in the lives of people where they are. There's no room for saying, you know, they're just not our type of people. <laughs> they're not like us. That doesn't sit well with God. He wants us to open our arms to everyone like he opened his arms to all of us in the midst of our sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. God has called us to the ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So when we gave our lives to Christ, we became reconciled to God through Christ. Automatically, we were given the ministry of reconciliation. The desire to do everything we can to meet the needs of people, to bring them to a place where they can be in a right relationship with God as well. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 5 and 9, Peter says to this mixed group he was writing to, he said, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices accepted to God through Jesus Christ. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Why 
would he be saying that? Why is God telling all of us that's what we are? This is it. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into light. The reason that you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession is not for your benefit to come back and say, oh, I've got eternal life, I'm all set. That's one reason. But he says in this passage, that you may declare the praises of him who brought you from darkness to life. The word declare has the idea that you're not to keep it to yourself. You don't hold on to it until you come to church on Sunday morning and sing praises about it. Wherever you go, whoever you invest in, as you use your spiritual gifts in the realm of ministry, you're to declare to every single one of them the transformation that came in your life and the one and declare his praise, your praise to him who brought you out of the darkness and the mire into the light. And so the church of the living God, I think over the course of the centuries we have secured a lot of members but we've not effectively developed many ministers of reconciliation. Otherwise, we'd see this world transformed. And it was to be ministers of reconciliation that God has called each one of us. And so my challenge to you as we prepare to move into our invitation is to ask God, okay, God, I have a personal relationship with you. I want to check my commitment to you as the motivating factor whether I am engaging in the lives of others outside of myself or not. And if not, today I want to rededicate my life and I want to commit myself, God, to be the people, the person that you've called. And I want to be that chosen person and I want to do everything that I possibly can to understand my gifts and apply them both generally and also and very specifically to touch the lives of people so that they might be encouraged and help where they are, but they also might see that they can move from darkness to light. Because I believe authentic faith is a faith that fulfills that to which God has called us. And this morning I am asking you to express your authentic faith in your time of rededication, where you are, in your pew, when we pray, and when we sing, and if you choose to come to the prayer altar, then I would say come. But it's that authentic faith that is the motivating factor. As we can cheer on an understanding that we are the people of God, we can cheer on that we are gifted, and that there are lots of avenues for us to minister to, but until we come to grips with that commitment, that authentic faith, we're not going to move very far nor very quickly. There are a lot of folks that need it. Father, as we move into our time of invitation, I just ask that you would specifically help us today to know and be committed to what our specific, our focused ministries are and take the steps to understand them and to engage them in. And Father, I, I pray that you would help us to make whatever rededications we need, whatever adjustments we need in our life to be the person that you have called us to be.
so that as a kingdom of priests, where there's the presence of Christ to heal up the brokenness and the hurt and to point people to the light of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. I ask you to stand if you would. Sing our invitation hymn. Whatever God has spoken to you about, I'm going to be here at the front. I look forward to you making that decision. More importantly, make it in the pew where you are, if you would. Take be seated for just a moment. I just want to remind you that uh, if you haven't picked up either the spiritual gifts survey or the passion survey, they are in the foyers, I believe. And if we could help you with those, and if you would like to give us that information that you have gone through, uh, it helps us in our office with our data systems to, when there are ministries or projects that need to be done of folks that have giftedness in those areas, we'd love to be able to to contact you and say, here's an option if you choose to do so. Otherwise, we, uh, we don't always know uh, who to contact. So uh, if you want some avenues, this would be a great avenue. And then our office can also help you go through those if you would like. So just let us know. And we've got a very, very, very special uh, time tonight. And I'm going to let uh, Miss Nancy share a little bit about that. Aren't the flowers on the altar table today beautiful? They are provided by Doyle and Nancy Miller, and I'm going to ask them to stand. Doyle is behind me in the choir. Nancy, I know you don't want to, but if you would stand. On Tuesday, they are celebrating 65 years of marriage. <laughs> and we appreciate the beautiful flowers. Tonight at 5 p.m., our spring fling. For those of you who bought tickets, you will not need to come until about 20 minutes of five. 
the doors will be locked until then, at least going into the CLC, and you will not want to disturb what's happening in there because the kitchen crew is going to be putting out desserts and some other things. So if you come and get in their way, you might not get a dessert. <laughs> so if you come earlier than that, there's no reason for you to, but if you do, just make your way to the sanctuary and rest, or you can enjoy visiting out in the lobby and visiting with our greeters. Your tickets will be accepted at the door, so for those of you who didn't purchase a ticket, next time around, remember to get yours on time. <laughs> There's a men's breakfast sign-up in both the small lobby as well as in the main lobby. Tuesday week, April the 5th, will be the men's breakfast at 8 with Ralph Hayes as the speaker. You'll also notice on the back of the bulletin the Holy Week schedule. Several of you have been asking, are we going to have lunches during Holy Week? When you get your upbeat that was mailed on Thursday of this past week, there will be a whole schedule on the front and there are also cards in both lobbies for you to pick up telling you who's going to be speaking each day. And yes, there will be a light lunch Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday and Friday of that week. But it's going to be a wonderful time leading up to celebration of Resurrection Sunday on April the 17th. Again, please take those cards, distribute them to friends and neighbors, inviting them to come starting with the musical, which will be on Palm Sunday morning during the worship hour. I'm going to ask that you stand now, if you would, and Bill A. Freeman is going to come and lead us in our closing prayer. Dear Lord, our God, <clears throat> we praise your holy name. You have blessed us. You have blessed us beyond measure. We're thankful for your word as it was proclaimed this day. May our lives be pleasing in your sight. Show us your will, Lord, for our life and lead us through it. Protect us as we go our separate ways. Now I ask these things in your Holy Son's name Amen.